is Jude 1 through 3. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And Jesus, we, um, we just thank you for, for your word, for, um, for speaking to us, Lord, for, um, for knowing that we need to be spoken to um, and reminded, Lord. So um, we just praise you for your word. Uh, we just ask that um, this evening that um, you would just uh, bless John's words as he's speaking um, and that you would just bless the teaching that he ha- or the, uh, the learning that he has done and the teaching that he's giving tonight. Um, we just thank you, and we just pray that we would see you this evening, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so, all week I've felt like at this moment all I want to do is just take a collective deep breath. <sighs> because we're here. Against all odds, even today, We're here. I want you to ask yourself, what brings you into this room? What are you hoping for in coming to 1280 East Rosser Street in Prescott? What longings are there in your soul? We're here. I think for most of us, it's probably been a rush and a mad dash to get here. And I recognize that this season in the lead up to Christmas is a wild one, and there's folks that we have in this room all across the spectrum. And we have elated elves, we have grumpy grishes, we have those that are celebrating, we have those that are sorrowful. And that is what this season known as Advent, leading up to Christmas, is for. That within the Christmas and Christian tradition, there's been space for it all. We, we have songs like, Joy to the World! And... Beth's favorite, Bleak Midwinter. <laughs> again, it's, it's risen in popularity in a great song, but you know, again, not a whole lot of churches opening Christmas Eve with Bleak Midwinter. <laughs> Bleak Beth is her new nickname. But Advent, again, has historically been about remembering the arrival of Jesus in celebration, but longing for his return and living within that tension. And within this room tonight and within our church, there's room for it all. Not to numb it, not to ignore it, but give space for it all. And the world we live in is just uh, wanting to cover it all and cope uh, with it all through surface solutions. Put bows and lights and stuff and charge it on the credit card and we'll do all that beginning in August. And deep down we know there's more. But in order to get to that more of Advent, we have to do a bit of digging. Fleming Rutledge, who has a collection of sermons that are really, really fantastic on Advent, she says this, in the church, this is the season of Advent. It's superficially understood as a time to get ready for Christmas, but in truth, it's the season for contemplating the judgment of God. Advent is a season that, when properly understood, does not flinch from the darkness that stalks us all in this world. Advent begins in the dark and moves toward the light. 
But the season should not move too quickly or too glibly, lest we fail to acknowledge the depth of the darkness. Advent bids us to take a fearless inventory of the darkness, the darkness without and the darkness within. And so tonight we're going to do that by taking a glimpse at this little letter known as Jude. It's known, if for anything at all, it's sweet beginning, it's glorious ending, and then it has a middle that is curious, that is apocalyptic, that uh, we aren't going to dive into the depths of. But he begins by identifying himself, as Jeff read for us, as the brother of James and a servant of Jesus, which is normal for letters around this time, except for the fact that Jude, being the brother of James, is a half-brother of Jesus, the one that we remember and sing about. Same mother, different father. The struggles of the family that Jude, James, even Mary had with Jesus are well documented. But this brother of Jesus, after the resurrection, becomes a leader within the church. And this letter is sweet. It comes from Jesus' biological family for his adopted and grafted in family. And he writes to God's people as called, beloved, and kept. This is what the arrival of Jesus, the Son of God, invites us all into. A new identity that shapes all of our activity. We are called, beloved, and kept. Called. The good God of the universe knows your name. Which is a beautiful and terrifying thought. He knows your name. He's called you into his family. And as soon as I say family, there's, again, additional complications that come there. What is the dynamic of this family or this relationship with God as Father? What does that look like? Well, he moves to beloved. To be called by God is to be beloved by God. And again, this is something that is so wonderful yet so foreign for us because there's so few places in the world that we experience and taste this reality. It should be regular within every single relationship that we have to be known and to be loved. But again, it is completely foreign. Relationships where there's no agenda, where you are fully known and fully loved, where you are safe. And even just hearing that, does your soul not thirst for those kinds of rare relationships in this world? But that's what Jesus came to bring. That's what John 3.16 shows us. For God so loved the world that he gave, he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And that life with him is one of being his beloved. This is part of the life and work of Henry Nouwen, who is a great writer and speaker and thinker. He says this, every time that you feel hurt, offended, or rejected, you have to dare to say to yourself, these feelings, strong as they may be, are not telling me the truth about myself. The truth, even though I cannot feel it right now, is that I am the chosen child of God, precious in God's eyes, called the beloved from all eternity and held safe in an everlasting embrace. So in Christ, we are called, we are his beloved, and we are kept. That there is safety and security there. And so if you wonder what Jesus brought and invites us into, he is the kind of God that calls, that loves, that keeps. 
And in that place, in that identity that he freely gifts to us, then there's this multiplication of mercy and peace and love. That your and my deepest questions, greatest insecurities, they're known, addressed, identified, and then there's a solid ground for our lives to stand on. We're given resources to live from. These are the anchors that hold us in the midst of an unstable world. We've said this all this year. Oh, that sounds great if it weren't so <laughs> difficult. Oh, that's just easy, right? Except we know ourselves in the world we live in. You see, Jude's desire was to write about this common salvation, he says, but the need for them was to contend for the faith. Perhaps we can hit up Jude in eternity, find him and be like, hey, what was that original letter all about that we never got to read? We might be able to find that out then. But he takes this turn towards false teachers and the chaos that they were bringing into the church. And so he presses forward with what's necessary and helpful when the plans change, when it isn't as he or we expected. Again, that's another word for us. What do you do when plans change? What do you do when the unexpected comes to your door, inevitably? He presses forward, and what unfolds in this letter is Jude doing some things with words. He calls God's people to contend. He corrects false teachers. He recounts the judgment of God in the past, and he points them forward to the promise of God's judgment in the future, which, again, as you read through this letter, if you want to um, have some very different you know, Christmas morning reading families, rather than Luke 2, Read Jude. And your kids would be like, wait, Michael was fighting with the devil over Moses' body? That's in the Bible? And you'd be like, no, it's in the book of Enoch. The book of Enoch? Where does that come from? And then you're teaching your kids theology, I guess. So, <laughs> boys, you know what you have to look forward to tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> Pastor's kids are the worst. Sorry, buds. But these people were steeped in scripture. This was their Declaration of Independence, their Gettysburg Address, their Goodnight Moon, their Green Eggs and Ham. This literature for them was ubiquitous. They knew all about it. And so Jude is pointing them to the truth of God in the midst of the troubles of the world. Then, like now, it's full of drama, conflict, disagreement, and things that could lead God's people astray. But I love Jude's approach. He greets God's people. He grounds and roots God's people and reminds them who they are. And then he sticks to the story. He tells them to remember it rightly. He has this calm and careful resolve to be aware of that. But the attention and the focus of God's people is not to be on the, the nonsense and the chaos, but on God and one another. And he kind of sums it all up in 17 through 23. He says, but you, again, God's people, must remember, again, here's this word again, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the spirit. But you, again, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. 
So he says, this is what's going on in the world, but you build, pray, keep, wait, have mercy, snatch out, show mercy, all flowing from who they and we are. Following this Jesus who is Lord, this Jesus who came as a lamb, who promised to return as a lion, keep yourself in his love. What does that look like? Well, to steal the title of Brother Lawrence's book from, I don't know, 14, 15, 1600s, practice the presence. Build your life into him. Know God, know one another. Be known by God, be known by one another. Slow down enough to remember and recall and rest in that place. You see, Jesus' arrival then and promised return in the future orients us here and now to see all of Jesus, all of the story for all of life. That we aren't to hide behind some veneered Jesus, some fake Jesus, some Thomas Kincaid sentimental kind of Jesus, but the whole of Jesus for all of life. The Jesus we see who enters the story as a baby while the nations rage. This Jesus who deals with all of the conflict, all of the difficulty, ultimately dying on a cross. This Jesus who knows, who invites, who gives. This Jesus is the one we follow. Because, you know, it's a year to think about uh, British history. I found a poem online from Malcolm Geit. It's actually going to be read at the King's Carol service. Uh, I'm not going to attempt the accent, um, but you can in your own mind. But I love this, this poem uh, in that it encapsulates so much of the gospel story that we often miss in the difficulty and the beauty of it. He says this, we think of him, Jesus, is safe beneath the steeple or cozy in a crib beside the font, but he is with a million displaced people on the long road of weariness and want. For even as we sing our final carol, his family is up and on that road, fleeing the wrath of someone else's quarrel, glancing behind and shouldering their load. Whilst Herod rages still from his dark tower, Christ clings to Mary, fingers tightly curled. The lambs are slaughtered by the men of power, and death squads spread their curse across the world. But every Herod dies and comes alone to stand before the Lamb upon the throne. It is this Jesus who calls us, who loves us, who keeps us who is worthy of everything in our lives. And this is how the letter of Jude closes. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. May you see, know, experience this God who is love revealed to us in Jesus. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. May you hear his calling. Feel how deeply beloved you are and sense the security of being kept by Christ this Christmas. Let's pray. And so, Father, we thank you for this good news, your love your truth, your grace, your mercy. We ask that you would meet us here yet again. Whether we're hearing this story for the first or the 4,000th time, 
Would our hearts find rest yet again tonight in this good news? That a Savior has entered the world, his name is Jesus, and he invites us to follow him with everything. And so God, thank you. In your son's name we pray, amen.